The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, do not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. Ever wonder if you're smart enough or if you know enough or if you're good enough or you're talented enough or maybe if you're old enough to do what God wants you to do? Well, if you have... I've got good news and bad news. The good news is you are just the kind of person that God takes notice of and loves to use to do amazing things. The bad news is you're just the kind of person <laughs> that God loves to use in this world. I love that Jeremiah reading, do not say you're only a child. <laughs> oh, Pastor Bill, I'm just a, and you fill in the blanks. I love it when people say that because I say, oh man, the good Lord's got something in store for you. Think you're not qualified? Think you're not good enough? Think you're not smart enough? Those are just the kind of people that our Lord grafted into ministry. So get ready. <laughs> get ready. Well, our Lord does come to us today. He walked into church on his way to Jerusalem. He walked into a synagogue, a gathering where people gather to hear the word and to pray. And I wonder if the crowd, I wonder if that day it was a packed house. Maybe it was a small synagogue. Maybe it was just a house where people gathered to pray and to hear Scripture. Um, on the way, somewhere on the way up to Jerusalem from Nazareth, Jesus goes in. And he's been doing a lot of stuff, so he's got a lot of people following him. So maybe it was a packed house that day, or maybe it was like a summer day like this one. And not everybody was there, and... 
you know, maybe it was maybe it was for first century people a little struggle to get up for the early service too. I don't know, and maybe people were a little bit sleepy, a little bit, um, you know, had their heads in some other places and what needed to get done that day, and um, they were thinking about things. But that day they showed up, and there was a guest rabbi. Marietta's going to get to preach at Summit Avenue Pres today. So you'll have to tell him like that, you know. Maybe there's a guest rabbi, and he looked around, and, and he started to teach. But then he took notice of somebody that maybe was there quite often, somebody that for 18 years was bent over by whatever. Maybe it was, a, if text tells us today it was a spirit, a bad spirit, but Maybe she had a bad L4 and L5. And you know, you most people for 18 years, they knew about this woman and she was there and they noticed her but probably didn't notice her. After all, she was a woman and you know, back in those days that that you know, that wasn't the first priority for folks. But she had come and come and for 18 years, and so it was just a part, she was a part of the landscape, just like you're part of the landscape. You're here every Sunday, you know, and people notice you, or maybe they don't notice you, I don't know. Um, but Jesus, this guest preacher, he stands up to teach, and he takes notice of this woman. That maybe everybody else had just gotten used to seeing bent over. He takes notice of her, and I love what Luke tells us. He called her over to him. I wonder how the rest of the congregation felt about that. It's like, what is he doing? Why is, you know, why is he taking notice of this woman? And he calls her over to him, and he touches her. And she straightened up. Whoa, aren't you glad you came to church today? He straightens her up after 18 years. He didn't ignore her. And in fact, when he showed up at that congregation, he looked out and he noticed in particular this one who was bent over and crippled and crushed and broken. He called her over and he touched her, and he made her well. Jesus shows up here. He shows up all kinds of ways in all kinds of places, but he especially has promised us that as we gather, he shows up here. And I wonder as he looks out over this congregation what he would notice today. You're sitting down, so I can't tell who's having to struggle with their lower back today. But I wonder if he'd look out and he would notice those who are bent over and crushed by striving today. Trying to always do enough, be helpful enough, be a good enough mother or father, be a good provider do a good job at your work, or not just a good job, but a great job. I wonder if he would notice those who are kind of under the pressure, 
of being successful, being error-free. All those expectations that are upon our shoulders every day. I wonder if he'd notice those of us who are kind of bent over, weighted down by those expectations. And then our own internal critic that seems to always be saying, nope, that wasn't good enough. I think he'd see you. I think he sees you. And I think as his one of his called and ordained ministers of this congregation, I think he'd want me to look out at you on his behalf and say, and lay hands on you as it were, and say, in Christ, you don't have to strive anymore. You're perfect right now. I'll never forget riding from Addis Ababa out into the countryside in Ethiopia to visit a school um, that my host was sponsoring and involved with and, and spending some time with the teachers there and being out in the countryside. It was quite an eye-opener. Um, on our way back into Addis Ababa, um, we are kind of packed in this little SUV that um, we drove around in, and a gentleman got to join us. Um, Gementius Buba, who I went with, um, invited him to come along on, you know, he needed a ride back into the city or whatever, and he had the biggest smile, and he wanted to tell me his story, and he could speak a little bit of English, so Gementius kind of translated from the Oromo into English a little bit, and he spoke English, and so it was this wonderful combination. I'll never forget listening to him. His name was Muhammad. Um, Muhammad um, was probably 20, 21, and he wanted to tell me his story of how he became a Christian. Um, he wanted to tell me, and he did tell me, about the thing that made a difference for him, that moved him from Islam to Christianity, was that in his former religion, he said, I could never do enough. There was always a scale, and he never knew if he had prayed enough, done enough. I mean, he, he was faithful and devoted, but there was always this sense that I don't know and I'll never know if I've done enough until I die and I go to meet God, and then, maybe even then, it won't be enough, and I won't be rewarded. And when I heard the good news of Jesus Christ, Muhammad told me that I am made right, and these are his very words, that I am forgiven, and that by his grace I am received, not by what I do. He said, my whole world changed. And man, you, you just have to see how his face beamed. Jesus had touched him, you see and made him well. He had taken him from being bent over by the law and raised him up. And it's interesting that he's kept smiling even while he shared with tears in his eyes how his own prior community had rejected him because he became a Christian, but the Christians, because he was named Muhammad, struggled with embracing him as well. Interesting. But this is what happens. Jesus touches people. He raises them up. Just like you today. Maybe you're weighed down. Maybe not by the law or by whatever other, ex but you've got your expectations that you battle every day. And Jesus says to you, <laughs> he notices you. He sees it. He hears your critic. 
He says, you're mine, and you're well. Or I think about um, a woman that I had a conversation with recently who was just consumed by fear and anxiety and worry. She was bent over by fear and worrying about a decision that she needed to make and not sure if it was the right one or the wrong one and not sure um, which course to go. And just the, the fear and the anxiety of that was just consuming her. And for whatever reason, God gave me my favorite um, you know, text from the Old Testament from Isaiah 43, and I simply shared with her, fear not. I've called you by name, you are mine, and I inserted her name right there. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And the desert, it shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. And I told her those words, and I gave her the promise. I gave her Jesus' touch. You are in God's hands, and you are going to make this decision. And if it's not the right decision, God will bring you correction. And if it is the right decision, God will affirm it and confirm it. But regardless of what decision you make, God is going to go with you. In fact, God is already out in front of you. I wonder if when, when you came in this morning, you knew that Jesus was noticing your anxieties today. How you're weighted down by those every day. I think he would notice you and call you over to him and, and put his hands on you and say, fear not, fear not. Another conversation recently just struck me. It happened about a month ago, and as I was listening to someone's story, and this woman was telling me how she was abused as a child, and then later on in her adult relationship, she also found herself in a place of abuse. She shared how this just knocked down her sense of who she was and that she, whether she was important or whether she mattered and how this person just constantly kept um, putting her down, putting her down and putting her down, and she just had a sense that she didn't deserve anything better. If you've been in that situation or you are in that situation, I think as you come in this morning, whatever it is, Jesus would look at you and see that you're, you're kind of crushed by that kind of oppression, and he would touch you, and he would straighten you up, and he would call you like he did this woman in this text, daughter. When Jesus says this is a daughter of Abraham, he's saying this is not just some kind of um, robot, this just some kind of person we can dismiss. No, this is a child of God. This is a daughter of Abraham, and she is worthy. She is um, important to God, and, and I'm going to touch her and release her from this bondage that she's been in. I think Jesus would look at those of us who are bent over by that kind of experience and say, you are my child, I love you, and be made whole. Do not, do not think you don't deserve better because you do. You're a daughter. You're a son of Abraham. Wow. This guest preacher shows up and he notices us. And I've just mentioned a few ways that we get crushed and broken. But someone, and, and he brings us his healing, but someone else noticed what Jesus was doing. 
Why is he doing that today? This is the Sabbath. There's six days of which he can heal people. Someone else notices Jesus' freeing, healing, word, and work, but isn't so happy about it. The crowd rejoices, but not this one, not this devoted follower of God, the leader of the synagogue. He sees Jesus come and heal, but he wants Jesus to take a second seat to his view of the law and the Sabbath is at the center of the law, folks. This is not a side issue. After seven days, God rested, and he commanded his people, you rest on the seventh day as well. And in fact, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, we find that they were debating whether you could take an animal out of the trench or feed them or take them out. This was an actual debate. And isn't it ridiculous that this person... um, can't uh, even, you know, is almost putting a woman in that category. Jesus won't allow that. And so Jesus' response is quite interesting. He says, you hypocrite! I mean, if this isn't a serious deal, Jesus might say, you know, I think you're just, you don't quite got it just right. He says, no, you hypocrite! (laughs) He's serious about this kind of stuff. The word hypocrite comes from um, the word, the root word is um, to judge. And hip, the first part, comes from the Greek part hyper, so hyper-judgmental. So you hypocrite. In the Greek culture, the person who got on stage, an actor, was called a hypocrite. That's, That's, I mean, they're not hypocritical, but that's what you called an actor back then. So Jesus says, you're a pretender, and actually you're being hypercritical, and you're not getting something that's essential, and I want all of us to get this. You have to get this today. The law does not save. The law takes a second seat to Jesus and his healing power to the gospel. The law has its place. The law gives us an idea of what it is to have a God and what it is to have a neighbor. It gives us boundaries. It gives us a guide to live, no question. But the law does not save. And Jesus comes in and he says, you know what the Sabbath is for? The Sabbath is for the healing of the nations, for the preaching of the word. It's for what you're doing today. (laughs) That's important. Because we are people of the good news and of the gospel. The law cannot save. Jesus can. (sighs) Wow. We woke up this morning and we came into the synagogue And Jesus showed up, and he noticed us today, and he notices you. Son of Abraham, daughter of Abraham, through the faith of Christ. And he speaks his word. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are mine. And then, as icing on the cake, he says, I want to touch you, too, to heal you. So I'm going to give you a meal, and I'm going to promise you that I'm in that bread and wine. So come and be touched and made whole. And if Jesus notices us in our brokenness, 
pretty sure he wants us to notice others and theirs as well. Thanks be to God. Amen.